hatred for Bowfinger from you. Whereas I will be the, the reasoned voice for, for both of these movies, and you're just going to okay. slobber all over Dolmite. So we'll see how I it goes. I don't want to give too much material away about white girl <laughs> pushing her ass around. Shocker. White Mike wants it. <laughs> Welcome to Marcus Played. We're back. Um, Let's do it. <laughs> I want to I thank our listeners. You know, the Mount Rushmore episodes uh, have been pretty high relative to our, our numbers, which proves that laziness wins out hiro you try to shine up other podcasts as our original format we say eh, too much work uh, we're yeah. not getting enough i guess uh twitter likes or thank yous any ats so we say we're getting actually direct messages please don't ever do this again i don't necessarily hold that against them because i can't remember you know what percentage of episodes we're talking about razor burns in the pubic area but yeah mm, i don't know if yeah. we're really promoting their podcast in the way that they want but two dudes saying, let's do a Mount Rushmore month. It seems like people like that. That's a simple enough concept. And we did choose Eddie Murphy at the beginning of this year, 2021, to prepare, if you've been listening back, for Coming to America, the sequel. And that was a blip that everyone forgot about. I'm glad everybody forgot about it. <laughs> I, thought no, I, were, I thought you were preparing a defense for this. I never watched it, but the reaction was not good. Ah, uh, no. Um yeah. Uh, this, <laughs> no uh, nice this, words. Nothing. <laughs> no. Uh, Yoda did not do a good job uh, with Bowfinger. Um, oh, oh, we're, we're switching attacks here. This is Bowfinger yeah. is my choice into the Eddie Murphy Mount Rushmore, an official entry in this because you get two. Yeah. Two Murphy characters for the yeah. price of one. Why did you pick this? It's my favorite Eddie Murphy role. Because more white people or just like what is it like what like what well, are we doing a, here that's a lot unfair because it's like we <laughs> wait do we have two this black people about eddie murphy this is supposed to be about eddie murphy uh it is i mean in, in a, i mean this exercise at least he he's what the uh the quest object in this one uh he's the the superstar uh i think it's one of the rare times we're making fun of scientology is funny their version of it because it gets into the <laughs> the ego uh, the, the caressing that that church, I guess, uh, does for their slaves that they have in there. And then there's slaves. The, wow. <laughs> well, hey. I mean, I didn't want to, uh, you know, the, the poor one scrubbing Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise's yacht for, uh, like no, uh, <laughs> no payment. I don't know what else to call them, but certainly the celebrities are pampered and coddled. And I enjoy that take here in Bowfinger. And I really enjoy uh, Eddie Murphy as the, I guess, the dork character featured more prominently on the posters. I like him playing, as we've seen in this <laughs> six-month odyssey or more, uh, we've seen him play um, very ego-heavy in Boomerang. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
I suppose an attempt at charming every man in like Beverly Hills Cop. Like he is the underdog there, the fish out of water. Okay. We get both. You get more Murphy in this. You get like sort of both extreme do you, examples. Do yes. you get more Murphy? You get a lot of Steve Martin. He he is the main character, I guess. He's the, the he is Bowfinger. He's the title character, and that's really a problem for you. So I I, I understand we've been on a hiatus. You know, apologies <laughs> to the the, 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 I, I was the fans to remember that what are the first movie was. I was like, it was Beverly Hills Cop, right? Yes. Yeah, I yeah. I, I apologize <laughs> to the fans that were like waiting, uh, uh, you know, waiting feverishly for this episode to drop. But uh, you know, the the whole exercise about this is like, let's celebrate Eddie Murphy. Let's put let's talk about the Mount Rushmore of Eddie mm-hmm. Murphy. But you choose a movie where he doesn't show up for, I mean, he shows up in bits and pieces, like from afar, for about 45 minutes. It's just Steve Martin and and a guy who looks like Dane Cook, uh, just all over the place. This is not, this almost has nothing to Wait, do with Eddie Murphy. Who's the guy that looks like Dane Cook? Uh, he is, uh, let me look him up. He's like the friend or whatever, like the guy, uh, Slater. He plays, his name is Cole Suduth. That's his name. That's unfortunate. Just like Dane Cook. I, I was hoping. I he... thought it was Dane Cook. I looked it up. I was like, I cannot believe Mike gave me a Dane Cook movie. I mean, that, it predates MySpace, I think, by about six or seven years. So, uh, but I'm I feel bad for a guy who's compared to Dane Cook and then did not go on to be more successful than Dane Cook. I don't know who that person is. On top of on top of the whole whitewashing that you did to this uh, mm. celebration of Eddie Murphy, yeah, I'm not a big Steve Martin guy. Like I, I'm not a big fan of his physical style of comedy where he's like flailing his arms and he's just a very, he's not like a slapsticky fall down guy, but he's very, he, he like emotes so heavily with his body. It's very animated. He's, yeah, he's animated. That's it's, a good word. It's sort of a Jim Carrey-ish without maybe the natural physical gifts that Jim Carrey had. Yes, okay. yes. It's like uh, it, 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 he's like the baseball player that works really hard, but he doesn't have the talent like Mike <laughs> so, Trout. You know what I mean? So you say, is he the bullpen guy that like uh, gasses himself out running in from the bullpen to like throw two yes. pitches? <laughs> you know who he is? He's the guy from Everybody Wants Some with the glasses. Mm. He's that guy. I've got a me. quote for you because, you know, you know, I, I like to defend myself by finding more famous people and famous people that you respect that counterpunch you. Uh, You're a monster. And this is uh, from... Uh, uh, this is your new trick. Yeah, this is from a, a guy named Eddie Murphy, who's the, the featured player. Oh, uh, boy. This okay. Um, so this uh, comes from an article on Vulture, uh, which I guess was predominantly about uh, Bowfinger as Eddie Murphy's underrated classic. And Murphy responded by saying, quote, I love Bowfinger. That's a funny one. It was all mostly on the page. I don't remember doing a lot of improvising. I kind of played what he wanted me to play. It was all Steve Martin's creation. So proud. Because he was barely there. (laughs) He just barely was there. He's like, okay, sure, I guess. I'll do whatever. This one was well received. I I remember it being um, more of a financial hit than what it was. And I mean, maybe in today's time, I guess it it almost made $100 million. Um, so for a comedy, you know, 2021 money, uh, that would be hugely successful. Um, but I think it was probably relatively underseen. And I think it's because of the racists like yourself that hated the pasty white image on the Bowfinger poster of Steve Martin himself. I, I will grant you that Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy are not the most natural buddy pairing. 
that you think of like, oh, I'd like to see those no. two interact. They they're not that far off, right? Like late seventies for Martin, I think when he rose up in comedy and then Eddie Murphy in the early eighties. There's 80s. gotta be a little bit of overlap there, I believe, right? When he was doing this but, King Tut stuff and yeah, you know, they, the James so Brown stuff on Saturday Night Live. It's probably not quite fair to say that they're just like from completely different generations, but it does seem from an audience perspective that they are two different generations of comedy talent, even though television and movies are pretty close together. So I'll grant you that. But I'm glad that, you know, Mr. Murphy himself agrees to me. If he has to pick one <laughs> Mount Rushmore entry, it's Bowfinger. <laughs> I, I, I don't care. He was probably he probably got paid a nice paycheck and he had to show up for like two days because he's barely in the movie. This is it, What do you there's th- almost You don't like it. Ahead. You're you're a big movie guy. So and you're also like I mean both of us. We're we're hobbyists. We we don't have any sort of uh film critic background as far as we uh write for a site like vulture or something we do this uh out of pure passion you know once every six months <laughs> yeah. episode. when i can sober up long <laughs> enough to show up i thought you'd be more into the very premise of this where it's a guy who maybe he doesn't have the talent to do it but by god he loves movies and he's going to use his what was it like six hundred and eight dollars to 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 make a movie or something like just because he just wants to say I made a movie I just want to get it what's done. What's the what's the movie with the rapist? Um, <laughs> well, uh, well, you got to be more specific. Than that. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> where he's uh, he's mocking the, I know the movie. Going. You know what I'm talking about, Are James you Franco, about the disaster artist. Yes, okay. yes. It's kind of in the same vein, right? I did like him the, the service of saying he's not just the one in the Me Too era, but I, I kind of knew where you're going with context clues. Yes. Okay. There you go. I mean, I, it didn't take long. I just have to say the rapist and mockery, <laughs> and you were there um, <laughs> with James Franco. But this is just very much in that same vein, right? Is this the the mm-hmm. guy who yeah. wants his passion thrown up on the screen? He he's been hanging on for dear life. Um, you know, James Franco didn't have the uh, the uh, the Daisy character out there uh, throwing that sugar on. Uh, I'm sure he wanted it though. But you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to follow you down the path of of whitewashing, mm-hmm. but I do really appreciate Daisy's gumption. You know what I mean? She knows what she wants. She wants to be a big star. She's going to do what she has to do to get it. Uh, Lesbianism, gonna... that's fine. That's yes. just something to cross off the list. Yes, a little bit uh, possibly mean spirited there. I, I read years ago that that was a dig against uh, Anne Hache, who I think dated Steve Martin at one time. So yes, if that's yes. true, that probably was a shot across the bow to her. Mm. And that I mean, the, and especially the ending credits, they're a little, uh, a little, uh, little over the top, you know, with the lesbianism and then the uh, like the kung fu uh, whatever it was that was going on. Um, I don't know what they were trying to say or do but it's not you know, quite once upon a time in hollywood i, I believe it was called the movie was called fake purse ninjas yeah yeah yeah, we're, yeah. Uh, tarantino does it with maybe a little bit more love uh and affection when he uh, sends his character over to make spaghetti westerns this i think is just to make american audiences laugh and feel superior yeah. fake purse ninjas let me reiterate what we did there <laughs> that's that's pretty bad no one no one's claiming uh frank oz is an auteur this is not the mount rushmore frank oz sir I'm, somebody's I'm, a cancel yoda you know <laughs> fucking cancel yoda that's it i know you're not a fan of the score either which i also uh, find to be a guilty pleasure uh this one the i don't score of bowfinger the this he directed the uh, the uh de niro oh the Ever score Norton. the movie yeah, gotcha that, gotcha that was, 
I, I took it as not a fan of the score of Bowfinger. I'm like, oh, well, I'm calm not, down, Inception I'm, film. I'm not going that nerdy. I, I have no memory whatsoever <laughs> what the, the score is here. I don't have the original soundtrack on my, my iPhone for this one. No. Um, no. I, I knew you'd hate this. I, I, knew, I, I <laughs> And I was waiting uh, for this. I actively hate it because it's not Eddie Murphy. And, it, and it, it, honestly, <laughs> There's two of them. What are you talking about? This movie is... is you don't like him as the vi- dork. That's what it is. I don't like him as anything. I don't even like him as the alpha. <laughs> like he's just an asshole. Like it, it's not. It doesn't use his talents to the. He is a improvisational, like wisecracking dude. Oh, I see. You're using his own quote against me now, saying I just played it. You know, coach gave me the, the exactly. playbook, and I just followed the play. I didn't cut no audibles here. Hey, Mike Trout, you are. Uh, all you're gonna do is bunt. Hold off the bat. <laughs> that's what we're, that's what we're doing. Okay, fine. Have Mike drop out. He'll cash his twenty million dollar check, and he'll be, you know, he'll be perfectly happy with it. That's exactly what this is. It's like let Eddie Murphy bunt and let the white man do his thing. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Behold, <sighs> Heather Graham putting in the work. I like it. I feel like she's the uh, she gets it the worst here. Not in in the sense of like quite back literally. To- Looking back to that time period, well, she got <laughs> she got typecast really fast as like sex pot, either like sort of like conniving sex pot or like uh, I guess you know bubblegum. So sort of dumb, I'm thinking swingers, right? Swingers. She's the object of affection there. Um, yeah, at least she's not a dumb character. She's barely in it, though. Obviously, a roller girl. Yeah, but here's a deeper dig. Have you ever seen License to Drive with the Corys? Corey Haim, Corey Feldman? No. She is the sex pot object of affection in that movie. When did that come out? Ooh, gosh, it's old. I mean, she is uh, primetime Heather Graham right there. I got to scroll down quite a bit. It's License Drive 1988. Damn. I I, see, I guess I I was so uh, swept away by, you know, the Swingers, Boogie Nights, uh, mid to late 90s era. I didn't know she even started. Yeah, I didn't know yeah, she had yeah. gotten started so young there, but uh, things could be worse. Um, much like, uh, I don't know if you want to move into the final selection on this month. Sure. Let's let's be more positive. One of the greats. The critics like this one the best, though not the Tell man himself. Tell me you himself. didn't like this movie. The man himself prefers Bowfinger. But uh, no, I I actually really dug this movie. I, I felt yes. bad about uh, my not streak continues. It. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I I felt bad for our project because I th- I thought okay, this is gonna be too similar. Um, maybe not in tone, but in concept. Uh, about uh, correct an outside hobbyist trying to break into the film industry. This one does have the uh, the true story background, and I was actually talking to uh, a guy at work about this who was was a fan of uh, the actual films, and you know, but of course he was like trying to say like, well, you know, they're not they're not the best, you know, technically. He's like, but you know, from his uh, childhood, he was saying his dad was a fan of them, and it's like that's so. When this came out, he was all all over it. Uh, I'm coming at it uh, as White Mike from a completely outsider perspective. I'm like, huh, a true story, you say. This this Dolmite sure is a character. What it has that Bowfinger does not is um, <laughs> a Eddie genuineness Murphy? to it. I was it's, I would say it's, I don't know if earnest is the word, but there is the possibility. It's heartfelt. It's heartfelt. Possibility of failure. There's no real possibility of failure in Bowfinger because. Because there's a white person. <laughs> 
Thank you for listening to Marcus Played. It's, this has been our episode on <laughs> <Just> race <attacking>. relations. <laughs> but I, I thought it would be uh, when I realized, I'm like, oh, shit. I was like, I hope they're not going to build this guy up to be like, and he changed the film industry forever. And they avoid those trappings. They they say he, he made his mark and he sort of did it his way. And the, the greatest joy I got out of the film was the pride he took in the finished product. Like he, yes. uh, he reveled in seeing himself on screen, a man who, uh, you know, like, you know, you're talking about, uh, someone that has a stage persona of cock of the walk. And there's a, a small moment in the film where he, he's talking to, uh, this woman that's basically become his like partner in the comedy circuit. Like they have this like dual act. And he says something to the fact of like, who would want to see me on screen in a sex scene? And he flips it, and it's like, the, the way he does it is he brings his own personality to it by making a comedy bit. Like, he finds his comfort level within the film, and he becomes, like, a cool, iconic film guy. Someone that right. we wouldn't expect to ever get that opportunity. In that way, I will admit, it it works far more effectively than It works than heavily. <laughs> this movie's awesome. I've watched it so many times already because, I, I, I one, I think it's funny, right? I, I find it highly amusing, um, but... Two, there's just this like this earnestness is what you said, and and this this hope and this positivity to this movie that I totally dig. And yeah, you're right, man. Like he he makes it his own. Whether I I like um, movies like Rudy or you know where the guy just against all odds um, really defies the expectations, defies the odds, and that's exactly what this is. And and um, I'm a hip hop guy. I like hip hop. You know, I, I'm a, I'm I, I listen to a shit ton of it, and uh, um, I grew up on hip hop. And just to see kind of how it, it it this is he's considered the birth of it, the birth of rap, um, because of all of the you know he took sort of that um that uh, I don't even know what you would call it, like street poems or whatever it was that that those guys with the hobos were doing. It has a uh, this sort of rhythmic delivery to it. All of his right, bits. yeah. Which, I yeah. mean, is not outside the norm for a comedian, right? To develop their own kind of rhythm of mm-hmm. this. But this is, um, it's interesting in the movie. I'm glad the movie, and I wondered, because I didn't keep up with it, obviously, when it came out. Was this 2019 when it hit Netflix? Maybe. Um, it was my number one movie of that year. I like to look that at my list. That does not shock of- me. Um, I wonder, was there Twitter pushback on this guy? Like, he look at him taking advantage of, like, these homeless bums and stealing their material and appropriating oh, for himself. Because... I didn't see that. I, well, I don't. I don't know. I just assume. I wrote that there was some yeah, you're, hate. You're, you're like the beaten dog that like cringes when somebody like picks up a hand. I um, I kind of like the uh, kids' gloves aspect they took from from that, where it doesn't say this guy was just a totally out of the box original thinker, but it's it's like um, you know a painter or an architect where it's like he could see something and how he could expound upon that and and form and sort of identify like this entire culture, this entire history of, you know, post Trump era. Maybe I can say like kind of locker room ish talk, like jokes, like just like the, mm, sort of the dirty yeah, yeah. old man kind of jokes um, okay. and, and make it something that was not only palatable, but charming in a way that could come across as just crude and blunt and not particularly funny. Uh, but because he makes it, 
an entire character. You know, I mean, you even get the moment like the, uh, with the kid, you know, mimicking him that like wants to, to, to be him. Yeah. And he, he, he skips the cane at the end. Yeah. Skips his premiere, uh, unlike in, uh, Bowfinger where they want to see themselves and watch every minute of it. He skips it to hang out with the people yes. that came to see him. It is, it is a, uh, a strangely like romantic look at movies that I really, really dug. I really liked it. It's meant for the fans. It's meant for pe- it's meant for guys like you and I who who truly love the movies. You know, like it's not meant to mock the the project, the mock the making of it or mock any of it. It's it's such a romantic look at movies, and I mean, it, it got me, man. It, it genuinely got me. Also, like um, Wesley Snipes is out of control. <laughs> like I love seeing this side of it because I I grew up with Wesley Snipes, quote unquote, the action star. You know, mm-hmm. karate kicking and blade and. Right. playing basketball all that stuff and he was always just like this i always took him as sort of like a you know he was right there with arnold schwarzenegger and stallone and he was just a bruising dude but the guy can act you know like he was hilarious in this movie and you know we talked a little bit about coming to america too coming to america too he's he turns that that volume up, up a little further you know what i mean he's he's gotten going into this post tax evasion criminal career of his into a future with you know where he becomes like a a fun character actor, a fun addition. Every time he was on the screen, he's he's like stealing the movie from from everybody else around him. He was just it, it was, it's such a good time. I it love was, this movie. It was a little Nicolas Cage esque for me, where you're clearly playing a broad character, and I think it takes a, spe- a specific performer to just make it sincere. As opposed right. to, yes. like, it's like an SNL sketch where someone just comes in, plays broad joke, then they they exit the stage. As opposed to becoming this dude, while still an asshole, there's something about, it's like, I like watching that guy. I like anytime that guy's on screen. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always felt Nicolas Cage has it. No matter what, like, sort of shit he's in, he makes at least his role interesting because it's total bonkers commitment. No matter how ridiculous, if it's a straight to DVD right. thing, if yeah. it's Ghost Rider... Uh, Tom Cruise has it. Strangely, Wesley Snipes, who unfortunately has also been off the screen for like long stretches of our lives, it seems like if he had not, I guess, basically just been so good looking, <laughs> been so attractive and fit, he may have had the opportunity to do more character work like this. But it was really cool to see him latch on and not try to make this guy more likable. But because he refuses to do that, to me, he makes him very likable with his massive ego. Yeah, and you know, there's there's something about him that he's almost a surrogate for the audience as well, right? Like, because <laughs> he's making all the, the snide comments that you're yes. kind of thinking. He he's taking the job for the money. <laughs> you know, he just wants to do something that's a little more uh, than the bit roles he's been doing. But he sees it for what it is, and he has this great disdain. I mean, to the point where he's like drinking alcohol, like he's pouring orange juice and vodka while he's sitting there. He's he wants nothing to do with it. Um, he's us. You know, he's us watching the ridiculous creation that uh, Rudy Ray Moore is 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 putting together. Um, he, he, I, I connect with him <laughs> really well. So you're saying he's slightly better than having like a Jamie Kennedy in Bowfinger? <sighs> Jamie Kennedy. I totally forgot he was there. Did you appreciate the uh, the sequence with the uh, very vanilla white film students? Who are brought into this? Oh, uh, Cody Smith, McPhee, like <laughs> <yeah>. post, <laughs> like he's 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 in that weird stage where he he we we knew him as a child actor, 
but now he's like really tall, really long and gangly. Mm-hmm. He's just a weird looking dude. Is I'm interested that. to see what his career is going to look like post, uh, you know, like five years, six years. I, I really like that, uh, you know, Rudy's take on it uh, here. Uh, Eddie Murphy's delivery, especially, is like, you know, can these people, basically, these outsiders who know nothing about our culture, how can they help us make this project? And he's like, look, you know, we don't know shit about shit as far as the technical part. Like, you handle that for me, and I'll get all of us there. Now, he, he's the coach saying, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure we get over the goal line. Just you do your part here. It's actually like a really kind look at like collaboration like and it's sort of anti even though the, the film is dolmite is my name it's sort of anti like auteur theory in that way where it's like every part has to kind of come together and like please just help me like make this project uh which brings me to one of from more of a podcasting perspective i wonder if you had this thought watching this chris rock here I, don't, I mean, we've had guests on podcasts, not really on, on this show so much, but the sequence where I guess you have Rudy at his lowest is he's like, look, man, you know, I can't get anyone to like play this movie I've made. Like I'm in debt. Like, you know, I've lost basically the rights to my, my recordings and my comedy records. And Chris Rock is trying to help him sell this concept, like sell yourself as a winner, you know, so that one day you'll be that. And they go off, you know, to commercial and he's like, dude, <laughs> you got it. You have got to give me more than that. Like I'm, I need you to play this defined part. And in podcasting speak, it's like don't, don't ever give me fucking dead air. Like don't, don't, don't give me that. Oh no, absolutely. Yeah, uh, come fucking talking about marionettes and shit. Um, look, just bring the ruckus. As a deep pull. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's a, that's one for the real fans. That's one for the fans at the back. Uh, yeah, no, I I completely agree because. I, that's why I stopped doing the guest thing, right? It's like, okay, I'm done with this because it's it's hit or miss, and it's a lot of work to it's drag stressful. cats. Al- yeah, it's stressful because, like, this is my product I'm putting out there, and if you don't show up, if you don't care enough to 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 bring something to the table, then it reflects on me because it's dead air. I always kind of wondered. Uh, I mean, I thought it was, I guess, neat. Uh, as a kid where it's like, oh, the same actors kind of work together, which is like, you know, if you go to like the Coen brothers, how they'll use the same people and they'll have like this, uh, almost sort of playhouse of sorts, this, this traveling band. Uh, and then when I started doing podcasts where it's like, we'll have Hiro and Dave and Derek and Webb and Jared, like, it's like, you're going to hear the same voices across all my various products. It's like, it's right. fucking easier. It's because like, I, yeah. I know yeah. that the house style, this is, we know how it's all made, yeah. how, how to serve that, it up. That bounce pass is going to be in the same <laughs> spot every single time. Right. Like, I'm not going to have to adjust to get the layup. Um, did you have a feeling that, I, I mean, I, the first time I watched this, I didn't know where we were going with the, uh, the is it like a record company like the the i don't know what nationality they are they're like greek or jewish or mm. something yeah um with the biharis i thought for sure they were gonna rip this dude off but no nah, they were super supportive they no. were there to, we're making were like, money you'll make money like let's just try to keep let's it going do it. Yeah. and actually when he's you know this almost <laughs> quixotic quest to like I, i'm gonna be on film i want to see myself on giant screen i'm tired of watching movies with other people why can't i be up there <laughs> they kind of warn him off they're like doesn't sound like a great idea like you know we're willing to back you but you know 
we have to take this sort of as collateral because we think this is going to fail. We want to be supportive, but yeah, it's not someone looking to like, oh, great, he's going to go into massive debt to us. We can now take all of his records and let him right. be in uh, indentured servitude to us for the rest of his days. It's it's pleasant. It's a strangely pleasant film all around in comparison to, I guess, what you would say is evil Steve Martin. Uh, that one, it, even going to the Heather Graham and Hesh thing, is far more mean-spirited. With any anyone who opposes them, uh, let's try to use and abuse them and trick them so we can we can get our way. I mean, the premise of that film is spying on a man and tricking him into signing away his his rights to be on the film, even though he was completely unaware. It's driving him insane. Yours is a little nicer. I wonder how you feel about that. Are you, are you losing better your edge? man? Oh, okay. I'm just a better. I'm just a better man. That's all. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's the soft side of me, I guess. You know, but it comes with with a little, a little, a little, little jalapeno, a little salt, a little spice. It uh, because it is a very vulgar movie. You know, it, 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 there's a lot of cursing, a lot of a lot of titties, a lot of craziness, a lot of ass, and but even that stuff feels so organic to the movie. It it never the movie never strikes me as something uh, that I that that comes from a a nasty perspective. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. are you saying I'd the agree. movie is very nice, but like I mean, there's like naked women all over the place, and it, it's it's an amazing like cocktail of of positivity, humor, um, and also just. Uh, you know, in today's day and age with like uh, all this, you know, the, the push for equality and these things you see, you know, like black people just take take control of their of their um, uh, of the, their trajectory. Right. Like where they're going. They just fuck it. We're going to do it. We're going to pick this up and we're going to do our thing. And it, it becomes such a like and, you know, it's such a, uh, you know, black people are obviously the, the, the bulk of the people. But, you know, you've got the the record company or I have no idea what they are. You've, you know, you've got the white college students, you've got people from all walks of life, just fucking participating in a, in a, in a, in a passion project. They just want to make something. Yeah, you want to be man. able to point to it and say, I was a part of that. Yes. I was there. And I, I respect it. You know, I, I respect that. And, I, and I, it's such an enjoyable way of getting there. You know, it's to, like, I always, I, I, I love the movie chef. It's such a, like a simple, easy watch, right? It's just a fun, positive thing this feels the same way with just more titties and f-bombs you know it's just a good time would you say that's like you know i think i'm on the record of uh saying like you know the hang movie is like my favorite like subgenre. i love just just oh yeah you know dancing yeah. views that's that's where you and i differed on once upon a time in hollywood is it just that it, it hit the spot i've got to revisit that i i watched that in a bad place i was like on a it's the way i watched that movie is just ugh. It, what country in a were bad, you in for one? <laughs> I was in Germany. Let's start there. And I watched it with people I'd never met before. Mm. Like I, I it was so, not a blind date because I'm a married man, but like I had to sit next to so I had to sit next to some lady who was there with our group who I'd never met before. And it was just an awkward, like, I don't want to be too close. I'm just, uh, <laughs> it was just, I, I was out yeah, of it from, okay. from the yeah, jump. That, that's a bad, like, I, I mean, my first watch was with my wife. Just, I think probably the first showing I could get to like Thursday night, 7 PM, right. whatever it was. That's exactly what I did. I had to, tr- I had to travel from, from where I lived to Stuttgart, which is three hours away, stayed in a hotel to watch this freaking movie. 
And yeah, I had to drive, you know, three minutes yeah. down the road, and uh, it was lovely. But my weekend watch when I was trying to drag people, because I saw it multiple times that first week, was like, you know, you know, people you've met and podcasted with, you've met my wedding, like, as many of those guys I could get, like my brother, like, and just a huge group of us just watching. And that, that was a, a great way to watch it, because, you know, my brother's not a big movie guy, but he totally got the, you know, the, the these two dudes, like, you know, like, you want to come and hang out a little bit and watch my show? And, like, yeah, man, let's get pizza. I got a sixer in the back. Like, that that type of stuff. Like, I, I just yeah. love the, the hangout aspect of it. But you, it seems like, you know, the way you were talking about Dolmite, and, of course, you, you dropped Chef. Like, you know, if anyone if someone talked to you about, I don't know, the Holocaust, you would somehow work it to Jean Favreau's Chef if you could, which you know most it. people would be thankful because you know it. it would suddenly be on, you know, a lighter territory as far as conversation at the bar. But... um it seems like a subgenre you like is these. I wouldn't say like they're little people because he's you know the character in Chef is already established as successful. He's just kind of yes. hit a lull. But you like where they are scratching that that itch, that like passion of theirs, where they're sort of rekindling it and going into like a certain pursuit to like say this is what I want to do. And I wonder if you could make like if we could do a Mount Rushmore about that about like a man like sort of rediscovering or just like doing it on his own uh, across you know various fields. And I know where you're, I think we'd have to narrow that down a little your bit. Your perverted right? mind because, is um, yes, because he manages to get uh, Sophia Vergara and Scarlett and Johansson. Scarlett Johansson, yes, <laughs> yes. It's it, he's much like we'd have to. You know what? It'd be a good opportunity to talk about uh, talk about Boomerang one more God. time. Boomerang got a lot of listens, by the way. Like, I, I hated seeing that uh, come up. But, yeah. Um, so, in North by Northwest, I, I think just the Mount Rushmore thing is just an easy enough sell to people. Um, and, yeah, let, let's look back a little bit on this. Because we, we start with Beverly Hills Cop, uh, which was the box office selection, the commercially viable one. But also, it was mm-hmm. his breakout. Uh, so, we're doing this somewhat chronologically, even though it's kind of accidental. Move on to boomerang which is your pick and i would even have to have this format you were just going to work in boomerang uh no, any way you could one way one way or the other it's kind of a throwback to uh was it can't buy me love that we did uh i think what last summer almost a year which ago you loved which I, you loved i think you, that started my streak yeah you've been on a, a good streak uh as far as <clears throat> my first time watches which um you know it's not great uh for me for my own eco uh but i have seen some good movies that i would never would have watched before uh, then, uh, Bowfinger, which is my pick, which got the least amount of probably on air time on this <laughs> podcast, as I knew it would. Brush to the side. <laughs> Mostly talking about Heather Graham. We did a journey into her, her career. Uh, and Dolma is my name. So watching these like together in our format, you know, has, has your opinion changed in any way as far as, you know, uh, the critical. Uh, reception of Dolmite being correct, uh, the commercially viable one of Beverly Hills Cop, or you know, do you think that I was right with Bowfinger? You're not. You're 100 <laughs> percent not right with Bowfinger. You know what did change? I mean, that's a scripture question, but my 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 opinion of Eddie Murphy. He's mm. always. I grew up with Eddie Murphy, right? So he he he's always been there, but I never took him as such a like a force, right? Like I never I never really understood how big and how how like much of a mover of 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 the of hollywood that Mm. he actually is right because you know he i've seen tons of interviews and read some stuff where people talk about eddie murphy as like a very giving actor like he's he tries to 
uh, nurture the team as they go forward. But I, it's it's amazing. Like if you look at his filmography and you look at even just the movies that we watched, how much he, other than Bowfinger, of course, he <laughs> like lifts these movies on his back. You know, he's it, it, it's the the Dolomite movie is a microcosm of. Eddie Murphy, the persona, Eddie Murphy in Hollywood. I don't know the dude. He's got like 75 kids and multiple ex-wives, all this stuff. But Eddie Murphy, as I view him in Hollywood, Dolomite is a microcosm of him. Hmm. I I think that um, it was interesting, like Beverly Hills Cop, watching it, you know, of the, the however many months this project has, has taken, uh, he it was a little bit George Clooney esque, as you've often pointed out, the head knob type thing, where there mm. was like certain mannerisms yeah. he relied on. Uh, he had that sort of iconic laugh of his, uh, yeah. which also could have been just genuine. You know, it could be that uh, you know he's he's young and enthusiastic about you know what is going to come up in his career. I think by the time you get to something like Dolmite, even Bowfinger, it's far more calculated like it, you're seeing like a, an old vet uh sort of know the lay of the land when it comes to comedy and how to i think you bring a good point how to engage the other participant in that scene so it's not you know like, like adam sandler uh, not even in the same league as eddie murphy uh i would say in his what is the typical sandler comedy successful or not critically box office but they all kind of have a standard is it like the happy madison kind of joint yeah Mm-hmm. He generally sort of, sort of, I think, sucks up all the oxygen in the room. I don't usually think it matters who he's sharing a scene with. He's either making fun of them or he's, you know, screaming uh, and and re- you know reacting to something they've done. So that you're always focused on Sandler. Uh, I didn't have that certainly with with Dolmite and even with your pick, Boomerang. I started to notice how he sort of lets the scene breathe. And yeah, he's the superstar there. But I was shocked when we had that conversation with He's our, a point our friend guard. Derek. Yeah, yeah, he, he is. He's and, a point guard, and that's different for for a comedian of his ilk. I, you know, I don't think Steve Martin is that. Maybe in his writing, you know, but certainly when Steve Martin's on screen, um, I, I think that it's very much pointing the, all the lights. At, yeah, at well, yeah, no, and for sure. A little bit of mugging involved. Uh, Jim, which Carrey, you love, you know, get the white guy up there. You know, I think Jim Carrey's better at it. Um, but I think his probably most successful comedy is uh, Dumb and Dumber because I think that Jeff Daniels actually could like hold his own with him. Like I liked it when yeah. Jim Carrey was doing like a two hander as opposed to just a you know Jim Carrey in the mask, the or liar, Mason liar, yes, whatever exactly. it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, no I think you're that, absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. I, I I had never recognized that about Murphy until watching. Uh, sort of, you know, our our Mount Rushmore uh, in sequence and seeing that sort of growth and just seeing, I guess, how giving he is uh, as a performer. You know, you and I are both uh, sports guys as well. How much you love the buddy hangs and all that stuff. You watch Everybody Wants Some. You watch that baseball sequence. To me, that's probably my favorite part of the movie. Not so much because of the sports aspect of it, but where you see it all congeal and come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big hitter, right? He's the guy who's going to, you know, he's going to go to the major leagues. He wants no part of it. He only shows out. He only like really brings the bat when it's time to put his guy in check mm-hmm. and bring it for the team. And the speech he gives him afterwards, I mean, just the, the fluidity of passing the, the passing the ball around and, and you know, the way that whole thing is shot. 
to me, like that's exactly I think what you're talking about when you're talking about the way Eddie Murphy sort of plays with his counterparts in film. Um, I I appreciate watching that. I appreciate watching it in sports. Shit, it, it always leads to championships, right? Like when you can actually, um, you know, crystallize your team and and get them to 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 be one unit. Um, I mean, yeah, I, you, I, you know that better than anyone. A Florida guy, huge Tom Brady fan, Tampa guy. Like, yeah, I mean, you you understand what it takes to, see, to be a Super Bowl champion. We were having such a really good <laughs> podcast, you know. <laughs> I mean, your guy Cam Newton. I mean, he's he'll skip he'll skip a pass. God, I hate you. Listen to that. Uh, Listen to, to White Hyro pick on my quarterback Cam Newton. You know, I, I give him some uh, some credit for his boy Tom in Tampa and the, my those, boy Tom those attacks. When we, we let's talk about Tua, let's talk about Tua for a little bit and how he's about to lead his team to the to the promised land. I'll, I'll play the part of White Mike. Let's talk about uh, Mac Jones, <laughs> the perfect New England Patriot body type. There. I know, man. And the last time they drafted a guy who was that pudgy or that out of shape, the guy ended up being the best quarterback of all time. Disgusting. Look at this. I don't know where what we're going to do next. I know we we have uh, kicked uh, the tires on uh, we we have another actor in mind, but I don't. It, it really depends on I guess how fast we can get back on the horse and recording. Uh, so I, I guess I'll I'll spoil that. Like uh, I know in the month of September, I would love to dive back into the filmography of James Gandolfini because me and the wife are doing a uh, I'm doing a Sopranos rewatch. She's never mm. actually watched it all the way through. And oh, okay, so, cool. Yeah, we're doing that, and I'm have I'm you all the about Johnny Cakes yet. We just finished season one, so season two. Oh, will okay. Start. So you've got yep. a ways to go. Yeah, it's still really good. It, it, the the writer strike hasn't hit. I think the bookends uh, are are good. I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the finale. I don't I don't, I don't know if it was I, divisive at the time, of, but yeah. I loved it. Yeah, I I, I you know the, that the end of the Sopranos was divisive, but I loved the there was a finality to all of his hench, all of his underlings, mm-hmm. and all of the people. But I liked the ambiguity of his ending, right? Because he was the ambiguous character. He was he was the the like the 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 conflicted character the whole time. I mean, he's this big mob don who also goes to a psychiatrist. You know, he he has he he has shades of gray, and I dug that that it was. It, I thought it was always true and honest to his character. You know what I mean? Like the way it ended, like he was a gray cat like you know what i mean like he he was that guy so i liked it i mean i, so, I, I mean that's an i like that ending sell job for us to do a month on gandolfini it's a little bit oh, harder absolutely. and i think some things we'll discuss probably is that you know he's most well known his iconic performances over seven seasons or whatever it was on hbo uh but he's got a lot of uh, choice selections from his filmography too maybe not the lead i would say more often than not, he's not the lead, but uh, we'll have some good stuff there. But yeah, if we come up with something in between before we get close enough to uh, what's it called, the mini mini Saints of Newark? Is that the uh, the, mm. the prequel that's coming up? Yeah, with yeah. his kid. Yeah, playing him. Yeah, yeah we'll see. I, f- I, I could do it. Yeah, sure. Uh, let's do it. Let's, let's let's go Gandolfini. Let's just dive in. Okay. All right. So uh, that's been enough, I guess, of uh, uh, celebrating uh, black culture on film. Now we're gonna go to. <laughs> <laughs> a big fat white dude James Gandolfini <laughs> perfect <laughs> you know I got I got my hand slapped the other day uh, uh, Debbie the kids were in earshot like right next to us and we were talking about it and Debbie said look at the numbers like how many people are dying and I said good 
Because <laughs> well, it it's like ninety nine percent unvaccinated, right? So I'm like, good. And then she's like, Daddy, why are you saying that? So, and then that, my wife just got after me. They're like, what's wrong with you? It's like, fuck it, man. Let Darwinism run its course. I mean, I'm with it. At this point, I don't. I don't know what you need. I don't. Nope. That's it. I'm done. That's it. I'm out there coughing and hacking all over everybody. 